So to get us into this story as we're preparing, um, I've asked Jerome to come, and Jerome and I are going to read together for you. So you don't have to read it on the screen. You don't have to open your Bibles. Just sit back and listen. This is like Reader's Theater this morning. Just soak in this story from the Word of God from 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. And uh, just before, go ahead, Jerome. You can come on up, Jerome. I'm just going to make sure that my projection is working. Hopefully, but you could grab a mic up here. Oops. Sorry, yeah. It is? It went on and off. Oh, the mic's already up? Like, what about the projection? Are we doing all right back there? Yeah. Is it not? It might be a problem with mine. Yeah, go to the slide before that. All right, there you go. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't, I may just have to call it out for you guys. All right, there we go. I think we got it. Amen. All right, so 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, this is the story of King Jehoshaphat. I forgot to ask you. Is that how we're going to say it? How are you going to pronounce it? Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. All right. Well, he says Jehoshaphat, so I'm going to read Jehoshaphat. We're going to get that right, okay? So, all right, you guys ready? Okay, ready for the story? All right, amen. Here we go. All right, you guys are ready now. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazan Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether sword of judgment or plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, but now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you will not allow Israel to invade when they become when they come from Egypt. So they turn away from them, and they did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession of you gave us as inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And all of the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. 
Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up past Ziz, past of, by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your possessions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised God, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. And early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in your Lord God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will, you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army, they were saying, Give, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Amen. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who are invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy the, and annihilate them. After they are finished, after they are finished slaughtering the men from slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, and looking towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found and they found among them a great amount of equipped equipment with clothing and also articles of clothing of value, more than they can take away. There was so much plunder that they took three that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is, what, this is why they call it the valley of praise to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of, of Judah, Jerusalem, returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went into the temple of the Lord with with harps and lyrics and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard the, how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given them rest on every side. Amen. Let us pray together. Oh God, we thank you for this story, for the scriptures this morning. We pray that as we take a look at this this morning, that as we remember what you have done, as we learn about who you are, God, that you would speak to us today, Lord God, that we would find ourselves in a place where we receive from you exactly what you want to give us today, Lord God. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today what Jerome and I have read for you is a story from the Old Testament of Scripture. It's a story of a battle. 
And um, we, we talk about battles a lot because we use that as one of the major images and, and symbols that we have in our life. And today, as you may have noticed from the story, hopefully, that there is power in praise. So we're going to talk about the power of praise this morning. As we talk about developing an attitude of gratitude, what does it mean to give thanks to God? Why should we do it? What's it all about? We see in this story that there is power when we praise. There is power when we give thanks to God. And it comes to us from the story of a battle. And we use the word battle to talk about a lot of things in our life, don't we? Um, when we talk about sports, we often talk about a battle between two teams or a battle between two individuals, right? Um, we talk about battling the weather, right? This week when people were trying to get home on Thursday night, they were battling the elements, right? I mean, we use this image to talk about a struggle between two people or between two things or between forces of nature. Uh, we use the word battle so often, don't we? If we're struggling with an illness, we say we're battling an illness, right? I'm fighting a cold. This flu has really knocked me out. You see, the language that we use to describe what we're going through is that of struggle, is that of conflict. We know that people are battling many things today. They're battling depression. They're battling addiction. They're battling sometimes with other people in your own family, right? There's battles in our mind. There's battles in our heart. There's, there's battles in our relationships, right? Even on social media, there's battles. Is there not? You have feuds on Twitter, you know? You have battles that go back and forth because we're always fighting. We're always struggling. We always seem to find ourselves in a battle. And it's interesting to me that we use that image. And that's why there are so many stories, including in the Bible, of battles. Now, of course, on the largest scale, when we go to war, like the picture you see behind me, we realize that, that, that there are reasons why we do that, right? And while there are many reasons, and we could discuss the philosophy of war for a while, we don't have time to do that this morning. I want to get to the core of what it is that causes people or nations to go to war against each other. And I believe it's simply this, because we're fighting to protect ourselves or to protect somebody else. That's usually what our struggle comes down to. Even our daily struggles, it's about survival sometimes, isn't it? It's about battling to survive or it's battling to protect someone else. So when we go to war, we know that something is threatening us or our people or our tribe or our own. And we go to battle to protect our own, to protect our people, to protect ourselves because we want to live, right? Or we feel like somebody else is being hurt. Somebody else is being destroyed. And we want to go to battle on their behalf. And so this image of a battle, this image of a struggle is something that we use, I would contend, every single day of our lives. Because we all find ourselves in a battle. We all find ourselves in a struggle. Right? Each and every one of us. Even including me. I have many battles. I don't have time to tell you all the battles that I am facing today. But I want to be real for a moment. Because God has reminded me of my conviction that this church is going to be different because we're going to be real. Amen. We're just going to be real, right? So can I be real for a minute? Yeah, Lisa's all right. As long as Lisa says I can be real, I'm going to be real, all right? You know what I should know what my battles is? My battle is against what I feeling depressed spiritually. This is something that I face as a pastor. This is my battle. It's two things. One, I never feel like I'm doing enough. And two, when I am doing it, I don't feel like I'm doing very well. And I struggle with that. I never feel like I'm doing enough. 
And when I am doing it, I don't feel like I'm doing very well. And not just me, because I got that from another pastor. I know that many pastors struggle with that. And I'm not telling you that so you, that you come up to me after service and pat me on the back and say how well I'm doing. Okay, That's not the reason I'm saying that. The reason I'm saying that is because I want to be real with you. So that we can be real with each other. Sometimes we don't need an answer, right? We just need someone to be with us. Right? And the message of this, while I'm trying to jump ahead of myself here, is that sometimes we want answers from God when it's enough that God is just with us. We don't have to have the answers all the time. And I'm not always looking for the answers because you know what? I know the answers. Yes, I've studied them. I've learned them. I've been told them. But sometimes I sit at home and I beat up myself and I say, I'm not doing enough. And what I am doing, I'm not doing very well. God, what is this all about? Everybody's struggle is their own struggle. What is your battle today? I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud like I did, but just to be real before God. Can you just bring to your mind a battle that you're fighting, a struggle that you're facing today? Because I believe that God wants to speak to us through this story about what he does, who he is, how, how he is the one who can truly bring us victory, whatever that may look like, or deliverance, a way that we can move forward as we think about the battles and things we're facing. So let's get first things first. The thing about this story, this story of many armies that were coming against King Jehoshaphat, and he was the king of Judah, of the people of God, right? And they were coming against him. And I love that the end of this prayer, what Jerome read for us, when uh, he said, let me, get, let me get back to it here for a second. When Jehoshaphat said, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us, and we don't know what to do. I mean, that just leapt off the page to me. We have no power to face this vast army that is coming against us. Now, that's not to say that we have no power at all. There are battles that you can fight on your own. There are struggles that you can do on your own. But there are some things that are beyond your power to control. There are some things that you cannot defeat on your own. There are enemies in this world that you will not be victorious over because you can't do it on your own. And we know that, right? We know that when the bigger the battle is, the struggle is we need help, right? Don't our, our friends that are in recovery teach us this, right? What is the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous? We realize, right, that we have what? No power. We admit that we have no power. We admit that's what Jehoshaphat does. He looks at the, what's facing him. He looks at the battle. He says, I've got no power to do this. And sometimes in our lives, we need to recognize we have no power to do this. What's coming against us is too great for us to handle on our own. We need to get to that place of humility, that place of trusting in God. And then the second thing, we don't know what to do, right? Right? We don't know what to do. We live in a day and age where everybody thinks they know what to do. Everybody's got an answer for everything. Everybody's got a solution for everything. But my question is, is it working? Right? We think we know what we're doing, but yet we find ourselves in the same problems. We think we know the way out. We think we know better than someone that wants to tell us how to help us, but we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and the struggle continues, and the battle continues, and we feel defeated because we don't realize that wisdom comes from God. Why do we wait so long to the last minute to ask God what to do, right? We try, we try everything, and we try our own power, our own wisdom, not realizing that ultimate power and true wisdom comes from God alone. 
Yeah, is there anybody that knows that this morning? There's two people that know that this morning. I hope by the end all of you know that there is wisdom and power that comes from God alone. And when we find ourselves facing our battles, fighting our struggles, right, we need to get to the point where we say, hey, what's coming against me is too big for me. I've got no power against this thing, and I don't know what to do. I've run out of answers. I've run out of ideas. Everyone's advice and well wishes is not doing me any bit of good. So what do they do? They say, but, but my eyes are on you. I have no power against this enemy. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. My eyes. What we learn from the story is that we need to turn our eyes towards the Lord. We need to turn our eyes towards God. And if we look at this story, we can see how the people led by their king did this. Amen. First of all, it says they fasted. Fasting means that you give up food for whatever period of time you decide. Because again, it's a way to help us focus on God and to bring our requests before God. You know, you think about how much time we spend thinking about food, right? It's not just sitting down to eat food, but you got to prepare the food, and then you got to buy or you got to get the food, right? You're spending all this time thinking about what you're going to eat, and then hopefully you spend some time eating it. Sometimes we eat it fast, right? And then about an hour later, what are we thinking about the next meal, amen? Or is it just me? I don't know. <laughs> then we're thinking about the next meal, and then we get done with that, and I'm thinking about afternoon snacks, and then I'm thinking about dinner, and then I'm thinking about the evening, right? And then we're thinking about groceries. Those of you who do it, you know, we think about this all the time. Fasting is a way where we say, you know what? I'm taking that time. I'm I'm breaking the routine. I'm breaking the normal routine, and I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to focus on Him. So the people they fasted, they gathered together. They gathered together. That's important that we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We try to hide, don't we? When things are not going well, it's funny. People don't come to church when things aren't going well. When I think that's the exact time you should be coming to church, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the time where I need it, right? Like, I got, and God's not waiting for you to get everything together. He's waiting for you to just say, I've got no power. I don't know what to do. But I'm calling to put my eyes on you. And when I come and I hear you praise and worship, when your eyes are drawn towards God, it helps me put my eyes towards God. We gathered together, they prayed, they inquired of the Lord, they pleaded their case before God, and then they listened. And a lot of times when we're talking, we don't listen, right? How many of you know that person that talks to you, but they don't ever listen to you? And they're not really, uh, how many of you are that person? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise mine, right? Because often what we're doing is we say something, and then when the person is talking back to us, we're not really listening. We're thinking about the next thing we're going to say, right? <laughs> That's what we do. So our attention really isn't on that. And so people are like, I pray and I pray and I pray. And I, I, nothing happens. I don't know if God hears me. Well, do you ever stop and listen to what God might want to say back to you? When we listen, when we're quiet, whether it's like meditation or just being still, God will speak to us. God will give us ideas. God will impress something in our minds and our hearts. And people will doubt and say, well, how do I know that that's God? How do, I, how do you know it's not God? You take a step in faith. You know, if it's not going against Scripture, if I feel in my heart that this is the way that God is moving me towards love and peace, then go ahead and take a step of faith. Go ahead and then see. See what happens, right? 
But if we want to turn our eyes on the God, we need to fast, we need to come together, we need to pray, we need to listen. And is that not even what we're doing here every week? We're gathering together, we're praying to God through our songs, through what's being offered in our heart, and then we're listening as we are now to the word of the Lord. And sometimes you have to trust that the man of God is giving you the word of God or the woman of God is giving you the word of God. You have to trust that this is what's happening, right? Because that's the way it's worked even thousands of years ago here. So what did God say? Okay, so King Jehoshaphat prayed and he said, God, we have no power to face this vast army that's coming against us. And we don't know what to do, but our eyes are up on you because we've fasted, we've come together, we've prayed, and now we're ready to listen. And what does God say? Well, the prophet Jehaziah is filled with the spirit of the Lord, right? And he stands up and he speaks and he says, listen, king, and listen, people. Here's what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That word means just broken down to nothing. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And that is what we hear you see, what we're talking about this year is visible transformation, right? We're talking about being transformed, actually changed in a way that first, probably only we will see and God will see. But then as it works in us, others will begin to notice. People around us will begin to benefit from the transformation that is going on. Sometimes it's just our perspective, right? Sometimes it's just that we need to lift our eyes from the problems to the provider. You hear me? We need to lift our problems from our adversities to the Almighty, right? From our doubts to the deliverer, from our hurts to the healer, from our fears to the faithful one, amen? We need to lift our eyes from what's going on around us to the God who surrounds us, right? We need to lift our eyes to the Lord and to see what he is going to do. And we need that because we're focusing on all of these things that are bringing us down. And the man of God stands up and he says, listen, you need to shift your perspective. You need to shift your attitude. You need to shift everything about the way that you're thinking. And you need to understand that you do not need to be afraid or discouraged because the battle is not yours, but it's God's. The battle is not yours, it's God. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Turn to someone and tell them that. Say, the battle's not yours, it's God's. Because somebody needs to hear that. Maybe not everybody, but someone needs to hear, the battle's not yours, but God's. Now, I'm not talking about the things we do to get us into our own mess, all right? So if, you, if, you're, if I've just been stupid enough to do stupid things, then maybe that is my problem. I'm not going to place that on God, right? But the struggles that we face that are too big for us, that come at us from the outside, the battle's not yours, it's God. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You know, you need to hear that. Turn to somebody else and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, right? So what we need to shift, the first shift we need to have is that we need to shift from fear to hope. From fear to hope, right? Because when we're afraid, when we're discouraged, we think there's no hope. We think nothing's going to change. We feel like we're going to be destroyed or defeated or what we're facing is literally going to kill us. But God comes and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You need to move from fear to hope. That's the transformation. This whole year about visible transformation, we're praying that God would take us, would shift our attitude from fear to hope. From fear and discouragement to hope and trust. The word of God says, do not be afraid or discouraged. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
So we need to shift from trusting in our own power to trusting in God's power. Amen? Amen? Trusting in our own wisdom to trusting in God's wisdom. To realize, hey, you've been fighting this battle. Maybe God's telling you, hey, it's my battle. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go before you. You realize that that song that we sang, I am not alone. That was the entire like, message just in song. I mean, every point of it is about what I've been trying to talk about today, right? That God goes before us. He will never leave us. And it uses many stories from scriptures. It talks about when the people of God walked through the Red Sea. They walked through the waters. It talks about when the men of God were in the fiery furnace and God was there with them. It talks about David when he said, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, it says, you will go before me. You will fight my battles for me. You will give me the victory. God will do it. And God will do it alone. And the only one thing we need to do is to praise him, is to give thanks to him. So you'll see that what they did was they said, they got people together, they appointed them, they said, you go out and you just lead this army, okay? So once they heard this word, right? Said, God, it's too big, the army's against us, we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. God said, good, now listen to me, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, this battle is not yours, but it's mine. And what was their response? They praised and worshiped God. I love how in the, in the story it said that some people stood up and lifted their hands and praised God in a loud voice, and some people knelt down with their faces to the ground. Two different expressions of worship, side by side, in response to what God had said to them. And then they did maybe the thing that brings me the greatest smile and laughter this morning. They put the band in the choir first. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who does that in war? They take the worship team, they take the singers and the musicians, and they put them at the front lines of the battle. I don't hear any worship team people saying amen. <laughs> I don't hear any singers saying amen, right? But did you, did you catch that? Did you catch that it's the worship team that's on the front lines of the battle? Oh, let me say that again. It's the worship team that's on the front lines of the battle. That's going on. Declaring the praise of God. Give thanks to God. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God. His love endures forever. And I love this part of the story, right? As they're singing, as they're praising God, as they're marching out, you know? I can imagine, I'm the dude with the spear and the shield, you know? And I got the guy with the trumpet in front of me, you know? And in the flesh, I'm thinking, I don't know how this is going to work. But praise is leading the way. And as they come up to the top of the hill, right? And they look over the top of the hill, they got three armies that have gathered against them, right? And what God does is he comes and he confuses them and they start fighting each other. They start fighting each other. They start killing each other. And when they come up over the field, they've done defeated all themselves. And there's nobody left. And all they have to walk, do is walk through and pick up the plunder. That's all they have to do. You want to know why we're teaching and preaching on having an attitude of gratitude? Because when you have an attitude of gratitude and you put praise and thanksgiving to God first and foremost in your life, when you walk out into your battle against your enemies, you will find that God has already won the victory. And all you got to do is walk through and pick up the blessings. And pick up the blessings. I don't even have to fight. I don't even have to go into this meeting with this person and battle them because God's already given me the victory. All I've got to do is walk in and pick up the blessings that He's left over for me, right? Are you hearing me? You understand what I'm saying? God's telling you, you just need to walk in and pick up the blessings, right? You just need to walk in and pick up the blessings. Why don't you put praise first in your life? Why don't you shift it and put it first, right? You got a battle coming up tomorrow that 
I tell you, wake up tomorrow morning, put on some praise and worship music, spend some time in prayer before the Lord, say, God, I've got no power, I've got no wisdom, but my eyes are on you, and I want to watch what you're going to do today. Do it tomorrow morning and watch. I tell you, you'll be coming back to me and saying, Pastor, I walked in and the battle was already done. And all I did was pick up blessings as I walked along. All I did was pick up the blessings. You're going to walk into that hospital, and you're going to pick up the blessings. You're going to walk into that school, and you're going to pick up the blessings, right? You're going to walk in to that battle that we like to call Family Thanksgiving. Right? And you're not going to have to fight this time. And you're just going to pick up the blessings. Who wants that, amen? Who wants that, man? Receive it. You're just going to walk blessings when we put praise and worship first in our lives. And, and I, of course, I don't just mean first. I mean all the time. What I also notice about the story is that they praised God before the battle. They praised Him in the battle. And then after the battle, they went back to Jerusalem. They went back to the temple. They went back to church. And they gave praise and thanksgiving to God, right? They gave praise before the battle, during the battle, and after the battle. They came and they said, I gotta go back to see that's it, man. We come to church needy, right? We pray, but then when you go out into your battle, into your struggle, praise the Lord. And then when you see what God has done, you come back and you give thanks. That's the flow of the life that God wants for his people. Your eyes are on me. The battle's not yours, but mine. Don't be afraid. Trust in me. Don't be discouraged. There is yet hope. The story has not ended. The curtain has not fallen. Time has not yet run out. You may feel like you're on your last leg, but the fact that you are alive and breathing here today means that God says it is not done yet. It is not finished yet. I've still got things for you to do. You watch what I'm doing in your life. I've got purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. And God says and you will access it. You will enter into it when you praise. When you give thanks to God. And that's why it's so important, so important that we give praise to God. And we do it a lot through music because they did it through music for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, you know? I mean, it's just a pattern of humanity, you know? It's like, you know, why do we eat with our mouth and not our ear? It's just the way it is sometimes, right? I mean, we praise and worship God through music. What we do, that's one of the ways that we enter into this flow of what God is doing in our lives. And of course today, what we want to experience and celebrate with these elements that you see before me is the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ over our biggest enemies and the biggest battle that every single person faces on this earth. The Bible says that the last enemy to be defeated is death. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he claimed his victory over Satan, the one who promotes evil, the one who represents evil in this world. So you know it really is a battle of good versus evil, isn't it? In the largest sense, it really is a battle of good versus evil because God created the world and he said it was good and God created you and he said you were good. But Satan and sin and evil came in to our lives and corrupted us and is fighting for our souls. But Jesus said the battle is not yours but mine. So I'm going to come before you were even born, before you even had a chance to sin. And I'm going to die on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven, so that your enemies can be defeated, so that Satan will be defeated in your life and death will be defeated in your life and you will have the victory. Hallelujah. 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 And we... We are not the 
enemies of God, we are reconciled to God. We are the ones who are rescued. We are the ones who are redeemed. We are the ones who are saved. Amen. And so today we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate the ultimate victory over the biggest enemies that we have, Satan, sin, and death, and the fact that we're reconciled to God. And in just a moment, when you come forward and you take a piece of bread, you remember that this is his body that was broken for you, that Jesus went deep into the battle, and he fought on your behalf and secured the victory by dying on the cross for your sins. And when you come up in just a minute and you take one of these cups, you remember that this is Christ's blood that was shed for you so that you may have life now and life forever. And those who believe in Jesus Christ and have received him are welcome to come to this table. It's our great honor, our privilege. It's, it's what we long to do is to participate in the body and blood of Christ in his life and his power in his death and his resurrection. It's for everyone who believes. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to believe in Jesus Christ and have received him. And we're going to invite you to come forward in just a minute. Everything in our church is an invitation. Doesn't mean you have to come. You may be in a place where, where you're like trying to figure this out, right? Like in your mind, you're trying to wrestle with what's being said this morning. That's okay. If you don't feel like coming, that's okay. Know that you are welcome here. You are safe here. God is working in your life. It doesn't happen all at once. Can I get an amen? It doesn't happen all at once. You know, we read this story in like five minutes, but I'm telling you, it takes about 15 years for me to get through these struggles one time. Sometimes it takes 50 years, right? I mean, we understand that this is a process, and we're just trying to take the next step, right? We're trying to take the next step. But this is a declaration, a declaration that Jesus has defeated sin and Satan and death on our behalf. You see, when Jesus hung and when he died on the cross, yeah, you can start playing. I feel it too. Start playing. When Jesus died on the cross, right? Satan thought he had won. Satan thought he had the victory. The people were discouraged. The people that loved him and put their hope in him, they were afraid. They were discouraged. They were downtrodden. They thought it was over. But that's why, like in the words of the song that we sing, on the third day, what happened? The stone was rolled away. The ground began to shake because God's perfect love could not be overcome. Death, where is your sting? Your resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Thank you, Jesus.